If you could talk a little bit about momentum and its importance, how do you recognize momentum in your business? What do you do with it? Yeah, man. So, I mean, momentum is, it probably is the most important piece, right? Like actually it's funny, Pace and I were at um, a dinner a couple months ago and we were just like having a conversation and he was, we were having this conversation. I, it came up along the lines of like just how he and I became friends and he explained to me, he said, you know why we became friends? He says, you've been the same person since I met you versus like a year and a half, two years later, like you're still like the same, like your character is the same, like you didn't switch up. And he says, you're consistent. And he says, that's business acumen number one. See, a lot of people think it's about learning systems and learning processes and learning leadership and learning this and all that. It's like, that stuff is great. However, it's secondary to consistency because if you can't show up consistently, if your system can't perform over and over and over again, it's not good for anything. Welcome to another episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. I am Aisham Hipsher and I'm joined by my dude, Tanner Santucci. What up, bro? What's up, my guy? Guys, Mindset Marlin in the house. We finally got him. Let's go. Guys, if you don't know Marlon Johnson, um, you need to, for sure. This is, this is someone who is a treasure uh, in our community. Um, he is someone who is incredibly knowledgeable and someone who focuses on the thing that, that we created this, this podcast uh, for, which is what's in between the years, the mindset. And so Mindset Marlon, glad to have you on, bro. How are you? Yo, Aisham, I'm like extremely grateful and blessed to be here, man. I'm happy. Like, it's been, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for today. I'm excited for Mondays. Like, it's a good day. It is a good day. Oh. It, Tanner and I were just talking about that. Like, man, we're fired up. Like, we don't want to rush through these, these podcasts at all. But we're just like, man, like after this, we're ready to hit the phones. Like, we're just, we're jazz. We're, we're on another level this, this, this week. And so hopefully everyone else is. Hopefully, uh, you know, that we release these podcasts on Monday. So if you're listening on a Monday, um, this is going to be your week. And so definitely uh, take some good notes uh, because Marlon is going to drop some gems. I can assure you that. And so before we we get started, um, Marlon, I, I just wanted to kind of you know give you your flowers, bro. Because uh, when I first got started um, last uh, last May was when I, I did my first deal, but I, I started in like February March timeframe, watching YouTube videos and whatnot. Your video was one that captivated me, and it it, it showed me that there are people out there who are not only doing this with ethics and doing this the right way. Um, they're godly men and they're just strong men with sound minds doing this. And I was like, I got to know more about this guy. And so to, to know that you're involved uh, in the Astro community and the sub two guys and, you know, the, the, the PB and J pace sprint and Jamil, you know, uh, uh, trifecta uh, was a blessing. And now getting to have you on our show is huge. So it's kind of a full circle moment for me, bro. So thank you everything. Thank you for everything you've done for the community and for constantly just putting good content out there, man. I appreciate you. Man, that means a lot to me. Seriously, like I, I'm grateful to hear those words. Like I, I take that to heart. And so I want to say thank you because that means a lot to me because integrity is one of the biggest things for me. It's a core value of mine. It's the mentors that I've had in my life. That's what they've shown me. So every day I tell myself I could be even a fraction of the man that they are, you know, I'll be all right. Bro, and it shows, you know, I can I can tell we're, we're going to learn a lot from the different mentors that have poured into you, you know, and then you've been able to run that through your own filter and then be able to express, you know, your, your own uh, uh, views and, and, and mindset. Uh, not to overuse that word. Uh, so I'm really looking forward, man, to, to really deep diving in. But before we get into the mindset stuff, man, I, I like to know about someone's upbringing. You know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by it because I, I think that plays a large part in someone's success and their failures, you know, so to speak. And so, you know, while one person can take their, their, uh, their upbringing and become a victor, some of them choose to become victims. And so we want to, we want to try and eradicate that, you know, that, 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 style of thinking. So let's go back to your upbringing, man. What was it like? Where are you from? Tell me a little bit about your family life coming up. All right. That's a, that's a fun one. Yeah. So I'm originally from New York. 
uh, born and raised out in Long Island, New York. And I was born to two Caribbean parents. So my parents are first generation immigrants here. So I'm, I'm first generation born. So they nice. came to this country when they were each in college. My mom from Trinidad, my father from Jamaica. And very much inside of our home, there was Caribbean heritage. You know, so it was very much even to the point where I remembered when I was younger, you know, friends would ask like, hey, you know, what are you? What are you? And I like one time said to my like friends of my parents overheard this. I was like, I'm black. And my mom was like, no, you're not black. You're Caribbean. You know, and she made it a point to differentiate that, like, we have a culture mm -hmm. and there's a, a mindset and there's a way of doing things and there's a way of being. So that was very much a part of my upbringing. So, you know, education was very important to my family, you know, coming to America to be able to give the kids an opportunity to get a better life, to have a better life. All of that stuff was the American dream. So that was very deeply rooted in me that, you know, it wasn't a matter of, are you going to go to college? It was a matter of which college will you go to? Mm. You know, getting straight A's was very much a part of that lifestyle. You know, coming home from school, after school, a lot of friends, typically people like hung out. Not in my life. I was, uh, you know, great life, great childhood, but it was come straight home after school, do your homework. And then after you're done with your homework, here's some more work. Like here's a newspaper <laughs> article, read the newspaper article. And write I love it. And so all of this, at, when I was a kid, I was convinced I was being punished. I was like, man, why am I being punished so much? Like all these, my friends get to go hang out and like they're at each other's houses. And every day after school, I've just got to come home and do more work. Like this sucks. But, you know, 2020, you know, hindsight being 2020, I see that it laid a foundation as far as my ability to learn, my ability to discipline myself. All of these things played into ultimately what led up to where I'm at now in life and being able to go and start business and being able to get myself to take the initiative, to be proactive, to get work done, to right. learn new skills, to sit down and dive and do research. And all of that came together from my upbringing, but it was a, it was a strict Caribbean house. And anyone that's like lived in a Caribbean house knows exactly what I mean when I say that. <laughs> well, I, I didn't have the benefit of growing up in a Caribbean house, um, but I can totally understand and respect uh, your mom's desire to to uh, realign you to your specific culture, you know, and not to kind of mm -hmm. just be be typecasted. And so, uh, you know, shout outs to uh, to moms for that. Um, what were your parents like, man? Were they entrepreneurial? Were they uh, more worker bees, you know, you know, at the job for a long period of time? Yeah, good question. So they weren't truly entrepreneurial, although they did own a few rental properties. So like they were mm. they were wise enough to kind of recognize that you've got to have investments, but very much the old school type of way of, you know, get the job, work all the years, get the benefits from your work, you know, plan for the the pension and the the 401k. So they were savers. If you know Dave Ramsey, Dave oh, yeah. Ramsey mindset was kind of the, the main mindset inside the home. So it wasn't about investing your way to riches. It was more like save your way there. And Got so it. the house from a financial standpoint was very much a home that valued security and saving. So that was one thing that was instilled in me very, very deeply. It's like this idea that when you get money, you save it. Like it immediately just goes into your savings account. You're saving for a rainy day. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard that saying. And funny enough, looking back on my life, I actually tell people growing up, I was in a comfortable middle class. So I think I should establish the socioeconomics. I was in like middle class, suburban neighborhood on Long Island, went to like a good school. So again, my life was good. However, growing up, whenever I asked for anything, you know, mom, can we get this? Dad, can we get this? No, we can't afford that. Mm -hmm. So when I would hear we can't afford that, what I was really coming to understand was, no, we're broke. We don't have money. What they were really saying was it's not a priority, so we're not going right. to buy that. I didn't get that translation. So I was convinced that, oh, shoot, I shouldn't be spending money. Every time I spend money, it's hurting the family. Right. Like they're working so hard. My dad's waking up at five o'clock in the morning to drive into Brooklyn to go work all day. Doesn't come home till like eight o'clock at night. So he's gone all day at work. My mom's gone all day in the city. She's not getting home till seven o'clock in the evening. Like right. they're working so hard that I shouldn't just be going out wasting money. So right. it got to the place where actually even spending money when I was 
when I did eventually start hanging out with friends like on the weekend as I got into like late middle school, early high school, and they would say, hey, are you hungry? You want to go get some food? I would stand like I'd be in a pizzeria with them starving, man. Like we've been hanging out all day. Like I'm hungry. It's the middle of the summer. And my this is the thought process. Do I want to eat? Ah, that pizza is going to cost $1.75. If I spend that money now, I'm not going to have as much money. Then the family is going to have to figure out how to get more of that money. And you know what? I'm not hungry because if I go home, I can wait a few more hours. By the time I get home, it will already be about like 6 o'clock. By then, I'll just be able to you know, kind of goof around at the house, fall asleep, and not need to eat until morning time. And this was like the whole thought process going into my head when a friend would be like, are you hungry? Wow. And I would just end up saying, no, I'm not hungry not wanting to spend the money. It wasn't that I wasn't hungry. I was just afraid of spending money to the point where I actually built up anxiety around spending money. So mm. spending money was actually like, it would make me anxious, even in video games, as silly as this sounds. And this is where I started to notice it was a problem. Even in video games, like virtual reality, playing and spending game money gave me anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like just letting go of things. I had a very deep scarcity mindset because again, my whole life I was taught save, 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 save save for this rainy day, you never know what may happen. So that was sort of like the household from like a social, economic, financial standpoint that I grew up in. And they preached, you know, go to school, get a good job, have a good education, you'll be able to have a good life. I see. I see. I, I definitely want to, you know, dig into the, the, the scarcity around, around money, but um, we'll definitely get back to that. But I want to move forward a little bit more on your journey. And so um, it sounds like now, you know, you're, you're a little bit older, uh, you're, you know, your parents have instilled some, some decent values in you um, and some financial sense, you know, even though it's more so around scarcity. Um, what, were, what was working life for you like prior to real estate? Yeah. So, I mean, getting a job, you know, I'm going to like kind of take you through a quick timeline please I got my first job as like early as i possibly could because again like i'm wanting to make money to not have to be the person like i didn't want to be the burden on people right. so the first thing i got was like a news route uh throwing newspapers out by houses i think i picked that up around 10 by oh, wow. 13 a friend of mine one of my best friends he's making like money working in a restaurant because his dad's the chef so i start begging this kid's dad like please mr kern give me a job so his dad hooks me up with a job. So I'm working inside a catering hall from 13 years old all the way through like my early 20s. Um, oh, as I worked through there, I also picked up another job like at the mall. I picked up jobs everywhere. But the main start of like my deep working career as an adult, when I was uh, about 19 years old, I got into this sport called parkour. You know, ah. it was a sport I picked up as a hobby and it also became my career. The reason I was telling Tanner this a little bit last week that as I got into this sport, I was having so much fun training it, doing it, and I found a local gym. A buddy of mine showed me a local gym in our neighborhood that I can go in and I can pay to come and learn how to flip and use their trampolines and their foam pits and their spring floors. And it was costing me 20 bucks every time I wanted to come in for an hour and a half. Now, again, I still have this like anxiety about spending money, so I'm like, crap, I really want to go and train but I, I can't afford this. Plus, I'm kind of broke. Like, I'm in college. Like, I, I can't afford to pay for college and pay to go jump around every time that I want to go play. So I tell the people, I'm like, hey, you guys have any jobs here? I would love to come work. They say, well, do you have any experience coaching? I said, of course I do. Like, I could, I could do that. And <laughs> keep in mind, I've never coached anything. Yeah, classic. I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, like, the only thing close to coaching was I babysat my cousin once. But <laughs> tell them I could do this. And uh, it took on a whole life of its own, which funny enough led me into entrepreneurship. And I can tell you that story later, but I had a, the job coaching. I still had the job at the catering hall. And then on top of that, I picked up work cleaning auto zones through the night. So I would, uh, mm. with my uncle's buddy, we would go out to auto zones around 10 o'clock at night when they're closing up and we'd have these big industrial cleaners and we're just cleaning the floors um that job sucked by the way like if anyone's ever thinking about doing it like it's just not fun not, <laughs> not a fun job at all but you know just was trying to stack money just wanted to save my make as much money as i could and save it and unfortunately or fortunately 
I was able to do the mental math pretty quickly to realize like, okay, I'm earning this much from coaching, earning this much from catering, earning this much from the auto zones. And at this rate, in about 114 years, I might be a millionaire if I don't mm. ever spend a dollar. And like, that's just not realistic. And so I realized I could do the math well enough to see that this just wasn't working. Okay. Mm. Okay. All right. So we, I, I believe we, we left off at, you know, you having multiple jobs. What, uh, what was before real, how did real estate come into the picture? So the real estate came from oddly enough and people always like, huh? It came from the parkour. Hmm. So of all the jobs that I worked, they were nine, they were predominantly for just making the money except the parkour. So the parkour was the first time, like I fell in love with something like I fell in love with this right. hobby. I fell in love with this workplace, with this community. Shout out to, to Leon Williams. He's the owner of the gym that I was working at. He That gym was so tight. It was the first place I experienced community. Um, so that work environment wasn't a traditional work environment. I was hanging out with my best friends. I was doing the sort of thing that I love to do, working with the kids. I had them with me year after year. So I was working in that parkour gym for about seven, eight years as a coach and athlete. And so these kids were there and they were growing up with me. Now, this is where it gets interesting. I was at an age around 19 or 20 when I started in there. I was working with kids anywhere between the ages of like five and 16. So I was serving a place in their life that I never really had. Like I never had that person who was like the 19 year old, 20 year old big brother to me. And right. I have a big brother, but me and him just didn't have a good relationship growing up. So I never had that role. So I started to become like a mentor to these kids. Hmm. And so as I'm working with them year after year and watching them grow up, I'm having conversations with them about life and about their mindset, things, same sort of things I talk about today. I don't really believe in fluff conversations, even if I'm talking to a kid. You know, I, I think people discredit how intelligent kids are. So sure. I would have regular conversations like I would with any other adult. And I'd ask these kids, like, what do you want to do with yourself? What do you want to do with your life? And the answer I would get most often, I would get, I want to be a parkour coach. I want to be a parkour athlete. And I'm like, yeah, I'm these kids. <laughs> because I'm starting to recognize and see that the path I'm on is as much as I'm having fun, it's not a strong financial path. Like it's just, sure. we're living in New York. I'm already projecting and seeing, hey, in five, 10 years, these kids are gonna start to be in a position I'm in, which is they're gonna wanna start traveling. They're gonna wanna start getting into a serious relationship. They're gonna start thinking about wanting to start a family, all this kind of stuff. And they're gonna be faced with the reality that they spent the last 10 years of their life building a skill that can't be monetized. Right. And now they're going to not know what to do. And they might be faced with the, do I continue to chase after my passion or do I trade my soul for a job that sucks? And those seem to be the only two options, at least that were being presented to me. That's the mm -hmm. way like, life had seemed to have been framed. And I just wasn't happy with either of those choices. So I made a decision that life has to, there has to be something better. And whatever that something better is, I'm going to go find it. And mm. I wish I could say, like, I immediately popped into real estate and, like, just had the answer. It wasn't It wasn't real estate first. For me, it was uh, I came across stocks and options. You know, the girl I was dating at the time, she had started this program. She paid a lot of money for this, you know, stocks and option class. And she shared it with me. So I started learning how to trade stocks. And I was actually... From my paper account, I was making money. I was starting to figure it out. I was spending a lot of time researching, just getting deeply into it. And probably to this day, I might have still been doing that, except during this time, I was still working as a coach. And in the summertime, I would go away to this place called Woodward. Woodward is a camp for action sports, mm -hmm. skateboarding, BMX, snowboarding, parkour, chairleading, tumbling, all that stuff. And I was the program director at the one in Pennsylvania. So oh, I was gone. I lived on campus for three months and out there where it is, is this place is in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, like Amish country. 
I mean, like we got this amazing 120 acre facility and then we're surrounded by like the Amish, like not <laughs> me, bro. And yo, low key, if y'all have ever seen the Amish, they're some athletic human beings, man. Like, cause <laughs> bro, they build houses with their own hands. Bro, like they don't even use machines. <laughs> driving down the road, I look over and there's this kid sprinting in the field barefoot. And I'm like, looking at my speedometer, I'm like, I'm going like 30 miles an hour. And this kid's like keeping up with the car. <laughs> Like, yo, the Amish are built different. So I was out there. There was no internet connection. And that broke the routine of all the trading. It broke the momentum. And momentum is so important. So anyone that's, like, getting into any business, like, understand that when you start to build momentum, you really got to covet it. Like, that momentum is the – it's a power factor. It's an exponential growth factor. It's, like, that's the thing you should be chasing on your journey. It's, like, how do I – commit to something long enough for the power of momentum to kick in so my momentum got broken and when i came back home i was like you know what i don't know if i want to dive back in to stocks again like i don't want to restart and started looking on youtube like any other person in my position how to get rich right like i'm youtubing how to get rich and of course <laughs> i come across a, a max maxwell video oh, and nice. that was actually the the start of me getting into real estate and I started to follow this guy, Max Maxwell. And so my first time even tapping into an entrepreneur via YouTube, you know, like I had learned skateboarding on YouTube. I learned snowboarding, uh, motorcycles. I learned parkour. So I was like, I learned all these sports on YouTube. I could probably learn business on YouTube as well. But my girlfriend, she didn't think so. She was like, ah, you don't know that guy. It could be a scam. You, you don't know if that can work. Like he's down there in like the Carolinas. You're up here in New York. Like how do you even know that stuff? still applies and is applicable so she kind of got into my head about that but she was still very supportive and she said well look there's this real estate seminar happening it's like a free workshop and it's hosted by robert kiyosaki right like and i'm like all oh, right that name sounds familiar like i remember that book rich dad poor dad my parents gave it to me i never read it but like i remember the title so robert kiyosaki's coming to new york he's going to do this free one day seminar she's like we should go attend it so, guys, I go, I attend this, you know, one-day seminar, and I'm sitting in the room. This is my first time going to anything like this, by the way. It's so, like my first time sitting in, like, a little Marriott ballroom. Like, oh, man, this is interesting. Oh, yeah. And I'm waiting for Robert Kiyosaki, you know. <laughs> Where is Robert Kiyosaki? I get James Smith. And, yeah. yeah, bro, like, James Smith comes out, and he's talking. And, bro, this guy was – he was not politically correct. I mean, like, he's at the front of the room and he's just like calling us snowflakes and cupcakes and just telling us that we need to get our ish together. And, and like, I'm feeling like kind of offended. Like, why is this guy yelling at me? And at the same time, he's telling me about all this stuff that you could do in real estate that I never even heard of. He's talking about creative financing, he's talking about lease options, he's talking about how you can make money for helping people, not just being a greedy jerk that sure. you can actually go out there and solve problems so you know that's it like i'm i'm sipping the kool-aid at this point like i'm really buying in because everything he's saying none of it was so rocket science that like my brain couldn't comprehend it in fact i was getting pissed off sure because i hadn't been taught it earlier i was like wait a second why why has no one taught me this why haven't we been having this conversation we've been talking about so much other stuff that doesn't matter and this guy is explaining to me that you can change your life and you can help people and you can be a power for good and you can make a ton of money doing it like why is everyone not inside this room right now and so i ask him at the end of it like i just kind of pull him to the side and i just ask like what do i need to do like everything you said is awesome like how do i move forward how do i learn more about this how do i change my life and he says Listen, if you're serious, there's a three-day event coming up in a few weeks. It's going to cost you money to go to. You know, it's going to be about 500 bucks. Buy the tickets to the seminar. Go to the three-day. Continue to learn. So I did. And that was, like, the first time I ever, like, bought any sort of, like, in-person seminar, education, anything. So, like, and spending, again, this is still the guy that has anxiety spending. Right. That spend, that $500 could have been $500,000 to me at that moment. But I did it. And um, did you spend it willingly or was it kind of reluctantly? 
Bro, it was every dollar I ever spent in my life up until that point. Like, like, shaking hand. Like, you let go of the credit card, and I'm like, I am letting go. <laughs> you you let go. <laughs> yeah, so it was a very very reluctant, um, you know, emotionally. It, and I I want to explain that to people. Like everyone thinks it's so easy. Like that first the first time you start investing in yourself, yeah, mm. I mean, it, it's terrifying. It's scary. It's like it sure it's, is. you feel like you're betting you feel like you're at the gambling table like man are these people actually going to be here next week like are they actually going to be at the ballroom like i just gave a stranger 500 bucks like you know and so i made that investment i went to the three-day course it was a robert kiyosaki program it was uh the rich dad company if you guys have ever heard of them oh, yeah. they're kind of like the fortune builders and at that three-day event i mean they just they went deeper they started to expand on all the topics that james was speaking on and I mean, my mind was just getting absolutely expanded in every every way. And what was really cool was they were saying a lot of things I had felt my whole life, but I had mm. never been able to put words to. Sure. Mm, and so really. it was a deep, deep sense of confirmation. And at the same time, I mean, I'm originally I'm a New Yorker, man. Like, so of course I'm sitting inside there like this with my arms crossed, like, all right, like I, I get how this goes now. What do you guys want to <laughs> Right, you yeah. sold me at the free event. Like, what are you going to try and sell me here? Yeah. And, you know, I found myself, like, easing up and relaxing, though, as the weekend went on because these guys were just nothing but honest. And it's funny. Nowadays, I know I have the vocabulary and the experience to explain what I was feeling. But back then, I had this feeling the whole weekend. I could not figure out what it was. I was like, what is this feeling? And as time went on, I've been able to find out what I felt was a deep sense of integrity from the speaker in the front of the room. It's actually my first mentor, still a very good friend of mine, still a man I work with to this day, Pip Stelic. He was at the front of the room presenting on that three days. And from this man, I was just feeling integrity, just a deep, deep sense of this man is speaking to me. He's telling me the truth and he's just trying to present me with a way to better my life. And he wants me to see that. So at the end of this three-day weekend, there, um, you know, obviously there's a, a sale, an upsell in the back. You know, again, I'm like, always, I'm, I'm, always. I'm new to this, but like I'm learning now, like, hey, you get invited to a ballroom, especially if it's free, they got something to sell you in the back. <laughs> For sure. But, you know, sales isn't a bad thing when it's there to truly benefit you. So they have this package to learn more about real estate. Uh, a nice investment of $25,000. They actually had a handful of packages, but the one I, I ended up moving forward with was a $25,000 package. And I want to explain this to everybody because some people think investing, again, investing in yourself is so easy. When I moved forward with that package at the end of the weekend to learn more about real estate, to learn about wholesaling, to learn about all of this stuff, I had $3,000 in my bank account. That was like my entire savings from working since I was 13 years old till now. I had one credit card with a $3,000 limit and I had, I owned my car free and clear, like my Honda Civic for that I paid two grand for. So my net worth was about $8,000 if I were to sell my car. And that was it. That was everything I owned period. Mm -hmm. And because I saw that there was a, like, I just, I felt it. I was like, you know what, if I don't move forward with this, I'm going to always sort of rest of my life be wondering what if I'm always going to be thinking, you know, right. I, what if I had invested back then? What if I had just done it? And that was way too painful to think about. I was like, I, I can't live my life with that sort of regret. You know, I'm okay with, you know, trying and failing, but I'm not okay with not trying. So mm -hmm. I, I moved forward with the the training and I want to say the, the rest is history. I mean, since then, I've been fortunate enough to be able to go out and do, I don't even know, I've, I stopped counting on how many wholesale deals I've done. Um, been able to buy properties. We're sitting at about 26 doors right now. Um, been able to learn creative financing. Even the house I live in is a creative finance property. Been able to do several flips, um, multiple triple digit flips. I mean, all these things that I thought were impossible has occurred because of taking that leap of faith and ultimately just staying committed to the path. And I want to add one thing, and I'm going to pass this back over to you, is... People always ask me, like, do you regret having done that program? Because it's how expensive it was, right? $25,000. I mean, people come across programs that are 
$2,000, $3,000, 500 bucks, 8,000 bucks, right? I'm inside sub two. That's a, I paid like 8,000 for that when it first came out, you know? So it's like, there are these different mentorship programs at a lower price point. And I always tell people, actually, I think if I had to redo it all over, I would do it the exact same way because there were so many times in the very beginning that I wanted to quit because I wasn't seeing results yet. And the process wasn't working yet. And I was having so much worry and so much doubt. And every time I wanted to quit, the pain of spending $25,000 sure. like rise back to the top. And I was like, I am not cool being the guy at like <laughs> dinner talking about how I spent 25 grand and did nothing with it. Like that's not going to be this story. So I'm going to make real estate work or it's going to work. Like that was the only option. Absolutely, bro. I mean that, yeah. that skin in the game that you had, you know, there's accountability. And I think, you know, there's, there's words, there's account, you know, and ability. And it's, it, it, I, I think that's, that's, I hope that you guys, the, the, the listeners or, or the, the audience um, can, can dissect what it is that Marlon is saying. You know, it's obviously it, it's look, when you invest in, into yourself, into a program or whatever, of course, of course you want to vet, vet it out, you know, but a lot of the times you just gotta, you gotta go with your intuition. And it sounded like my, like Marlon, um, he just, he trusted that process. You know, we just, uh, Tanner and I were just in Florida and we met with one of our builders and he was just kind of sharing with us. He was asking us about the coaching program that we invested in and he was sharing with us the one that he did. And I mean, it was about three times the amount of the one that we invested in. I won't mention the, the person's name, um, but he's like, man, I spent 25 grand on mine. And he's like, I literally, I, I could have watched YouTube videos. You know, right. I, I never got any individualized, you know, Q and A or, or any of this stuff. And so he was super apprehensive, you yeah. know, with, with investing into anything else coaching wise moving forward because it didn't work well for him, but he, he missed, he admits that he, he didn't feel good about the investment in the beginning. He just trusted the person because they were an influencer and they're all over YouTube and all over everything. And so Marley, you know, you went with your gut and, and it worked for you. You know, I think, uh, you know, Tanner and I did the same with, with our mentorship. We just, we went with what aligns with us. And so that's incredible. Uh, thank you for that, that, that nugget, dude. I want to, I want to go, oh gosh, so deep on, on a lot of topics here. Um, but the first thing that comes to mind um, that, that you, you kind of, uh, uh, you know, went down a, a good path on, but we didn't, it wasn't the topic of conversation. So I wanted to stay on topic, but you're talking about momentum. And I think momentum is probably one of the most overlooked things in a person's business because they may not recognize it as being such. And, you know, there, there's the law of the big mo. There's, there's all this stuff that's out there that a lot of people aren't aware of. So if you could talk a little bit about momentum and it's important, how do you recognize momentum in your business? What do you do with it? Yeah, man. So, I mean, momentum is, it probably is the most important piece, right? Like actually, it's funny, Pace and I were at um, a dinner a couple months ago, and we were just like having a conversation. And he was, we were having this conversation. I, it came up along the lines of like just how he and I became friends. And he explained to me, he said, you know why we became friends? He says, you've been the same person since I met you versus like a year and a half, two years later, like you're still like the same, like your character is the same, like you didn't switch up. And he says, you're consistent. And he says, that's business acumen number one. See, a lot of people think it's about learning systems and learning processes and learning leadership and learning this and all that. It's like, that stuff is great. However, it's secondary to consistency because if you can't show up consistently, if your system can't perform over and over and over again, it's not good for anything. It will eventually fizzle out and it won't stand the test of time. So business acumen number one is that ability to be consistent. And with that consistency begins the build of momentum. So this momentum, when we look at growth, a lot of people think like growth is kind of like this linear chart up. And we all know this, like once you start to experience this, you start to realize it's not this linear line. In fact, if anything, it looks probably more like this, that you start here and you begin to actually in the beginning dip down first before you even start going up. 
because ultimately we start to go through what is referred to as the learning curve. Right. And that learning curve takes us down into the valley first. And it's down in the valley where we go and we're starting to make the mistakes. And unfortunately, while people are going down through this valley, they start to think there is something wrong with them. And I got to just speak this out loud because most people are just, they're on their island doing this business. They're on their island doing entrepreneurship. So when they run into problems, they're not talking to anybody about it. So they start coming up with their own answers. And sometimes their answers are incorrect, right? The right. correct realization and the correct reality is you're going through a natural progression. So that dip you're feeling that, oh my gosh, I suck at this, realizing how much you suck at it, that's normal. Because you didn't have an awareness before. Now you have an awareness of all the things you don't know. And now you need to learn. And so then true. as they start to come up, they start to realize, man, this is a lot of work for not a lot of results. And they mm -hmm. self-reject from the path. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, yeah. We talked about that offline, I don't know, last week, me and you. And yep. that same thing about the up and down, the up and down. And what a lot of people get stuck in is when they're in that learning curve at the bottom is when, like you're saying, they self-reject because they don't see any results but they don't understand the process. And so when you've, when you've had a bit, even a, the slightest bit of success, right? You closed your first deal, you've done whatever, you realize how much work that went into getting that first deal done. Well, what they didn't realize, I feel like a lot of people is they are at the bottom of that learning curve and that first deal is at the peak. Well, then when you start going back down because now it's like, I gotta start over, I gotta get another deal or whatever. And that's, that's all entrepreneurship is. Yep. And so with the mindset you're talking about, it's beautiful. And a lot of people need to realize that because all momentum is momentum, like you were saying, doesn't go straight up. This isn't linear. This isn't vertical. There's no such thing as momentum that keeps going. It's just Newton's law of physics, right? You got to go. Everything that goes down, goes up and all that kind of fun stuff. That's 100%. all momentum is. So you just got to keep going. And there's a consistency level to it. Dude, and that's it. And like a lot of people, they just, it's unfortunate that they haven't completed, I call it a revelation or revolution around the sun. They haven't completed one full revolution to mm -hmm. recognize the pattern. Mm. The pattern, when you start to understand, okay, the down, the negative, the bad side of this is also a part of the complete revolution. So I'm not going to stop when I hit this. This isn't a sign for me to stop going. It's actually a sign for me to, that I'm moving in the right direction. The obstacle is the way. So when we start to gather this momentum and we start to build, we start to see an exponential growth factor because then when we do start to grow, it's not the steady growth. It actually starts to lift in such a way that it's it's mind blowing. You know, compounds. Yeah. It compounds, right? And we understand that in the beginning is where it's going to take the most amount of energy. It's like a, a spaceship trying to leave orbit. More fuel is burnt in the first 45 to a minute, 45 seconds to a minute of liftoff than it is for it to get to the moon. Because after that, it's gotten past the gravity. It's gotten past that initial, uh, that initial resistance. So that's where we want to get to that place of how do I build up the momentum? How do I push, use all my willpower, use my focus, use my energy, use my skill, use my ability to plan and prepare to break through that initial resistance so that now I can continue to travel with less resistance and ultimately allow that, that momentum to build that exponential growth factor to kick in. Absolutely. Moment, by the way. <laughs> so if I, if I hear you correctly, uh, momentum is a byproduct of consistency, right? Um, what would you like, what would your advice or insight be to someone who feels that they are consistent, but they're just not gaining traction. They don't have any momentum yet. What would you say to them? Oh, that's a good one. So, I mean, I would want to sit down with that person because sometimes people think like, hey, I've been consistent. And I say, well, cool. How long have you been doing it? Oh, it's been like two weeks. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, props, props. Two weeks is like, it's better than no weeks. However, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, it may take longer. Typically, I like to tell a person, very first step, step one, before, even if I don't know who you are, this is always going to be step one. Get crystal clear on what you want to accomplish. Get very clear on what the target is that you're aiming at. If you don't have clarity on your target, you're not going to be able to figure out if you're moving closer or further away from it. So then once we're crystal clear on the target, then you have to commit to hitting it. Mm. Now, once you commit, 
This is the interesting thing. I don't have a crystal ball. I really don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know mm -hmm. how long it's ever going to take to accomplish or achieve anything I want to achieve. I can guesstimate and I can do my best based off of what I've known in the past of how long it might take me to do something in the future. But the truth is, if it's actually important to me, it means I'm going to do it until. Until when? Until I get it, until I'm done. It's like the analogy I like to use with people is like, if you had to run a race and the race is over when you cross the finish line, how long will you run? And in my mind, the only correct answer is until I cross the finish line. Because that's mm. when the race is over. Absolutely. So it's not going to be I'm going to run for one hour, or I'm going to run for five hours, or I'm going to run for 10 hours, or I'm going to run for five days. It's I'm going to run until the race is finished if it's actually important to me. Absolutely. So would you say that it's almost important to not have a timeline on your first targeted goal or, or do you kind of, you know, toe the line with depending on your personality? I would say it's interesting. It, this is like a, a interesting topic. I personally believe that when you set the target, the first time you're going after making it happen and you have no data points in your life, you have no experiential points in your life to know how long it's going to take, that you commit, if it's important to you, you commit until you make it happen. There you go. Because that is the toughest piece. It's getting the proof of concept. It's getting your own mind to believe that it's possible. Because it might take someone three weeks to get their first deal. It might take someone three months to get their first deal. It might take someone a year to get their first deal. I have some great guys out here, Nick and Tino, um, Tino Luna and Nick Newling. Both of them each didn't get their first deals till 18 months in independently in each of their own careers, 18 months of working at this every day and not making a single penny. Wow. Shout out to them for sticking yeah. in so long. For right. Real. A lot of people would quit before that. And imagine they said someone told them like, Hey, if you don't get your first deal in 12 months and just stop, because now they're at a place where they were consistently pulling in, you know, high six figure months from wholesale alone you know, $400,000 a month, $500,000 a month, consistently back to back to back to back. But what would have happened if their goal was dependent on this arbitrary time limit that they made up? Absolutely. So well, I always... time around, I think it's you set the goal. This is where I'm going. And after you get there, you can then reevaluate, hey, is the prize now worth this potential effort? Like if you had to do this work again, would you want to do this work again? Hmm. Hmm. I always tell people too that that you know ask me how long it took me to get my first deal and you know just they're they're, they're trying to get their first deal because in our community there's you know there's quite a bit of people that are reaching out for help and whatnot right and they always you know they want a timeline when can i expect to do a deal right and the biggest thing that um i tell them is have no expectation um because and then i always like to tell them that at the same time it's essentially go look at everyone that's been successful in real estate entrepreneurship whatever it is right? No matter, no matter what industry, the only people that failed are literally the ones that quit. I have yet to meet a person that's not financially free, successful to whatever level they consider successful, yada, yada, yada. Every single one of them had points where they thought felt like quitting, but the difference between them and the people that complain about not being successful are the ones that quit. So I, that's what I always tell them is like, go try to please bring me someone that has been successful that has quit at some point in their life. Cause that's the difference. That's all it is. Yep. Well, Marlo, let me ask you, because I, I do want to bring some hope to, to people because look, it's, <laughs> it's one thing to hear, you know, you got, you got Jacob Simpsons out there who took him over a year to get his first deal. He's now crushing it, having six figure months, you know, in his business, the, the two uh, folks that you just spoke about, you know, so that may be, that may be good for a person to hear. That's like, okay, good. You know, I, I've got some time. I, I've been in this thing six months. Um, these guys, you know, it took them over a year to crush it. So my time's coming for those people. Wh what can you say to them to encourage them to maybe it doesn't, it doesn't have to take that long. So what are some things that they can do proactively to shorten that learning curve? Yeah, great question. And I'll, I'll say this, right. I'm going to share something that was given to me that I forgot about for a long time until recently that when I first got started, my very first mentor said to me, anticipate, anticipate, right? So it doesn't mean it could happen sooner, it could happen longer, six months to 12 months to do your first deal. If you're brand new to this and you're putting in like solid part-time hours, but you're still balancing the rest of your life. 
And it wasn't because six months or 12 months is how long it takes for a transaction to occur, but recognize you as an individual, you're changing. You're changing your mindset. You're changing your network. You're changing your vocabulary. You know, I wouldn't expect someone to come to a new country and learn a new language because they went to a three-day seminar, right? It's going to take some time for that information to become a part of you, to assimilate into your life. So inside of the world of real estate, I say the same thing because I know everyone's chasing after just the deal and the deal is the the shiny, it's the, the egg, the golden egg that comes out of the goose. But there's also, they forget that you yourself as a human, as a person, you're developing and growing as well, right? You're learning all of these skills. You're learning how to negotiate. You're learning how to comp. You're learning how to invest. You're learning how to increase your internal risk tolerance. Mm. Like so many things about a person is changing that sometimes they don't see and no, because no one's putting a, a spotlight on it. They're not seeing the value of it because- yeah, when I got my, it took me eight months to get my first deal and I made a whopping 4,000 bucks, you know, mm-hmm. not life-changing money, but life-changing money. And really, when I look back in hindsight, the more important thing that I got from that deal wasn't the $4,000. It was the confidence in myself. It was the right. reminder that if I stick with something, it will eventually work. The ability to help a person out of a sticky situation, like just all of these other factors were in that moment as well as the prize. And if I were also counting those along the way, I would have realized like, wow, a lot of things are being built all at the same time on my way to this first deal. So being able to, and now something I do to make sure I don't get into that place of losing patience and getting off the journey is I keep a gratitude journal. So every day as I'm going through my days, as I'm on this journey, I'm constantly writing down, I'm grateful for this. I, I learned this mm. lesson today. I'm, I'm happy for this. Like I'm taking account of all of these blessings, all of these wins, all of these victories that are occurring along the way. And that's adding to the momentum. I mean, it's insane. You know, a lot of people think that the manifestation and whatnot is a lot of the woo-woo stuff. Like, oh, okay, yeah, meditate and gratitude and, and, you know, do all this. Like, I get it. That makes sense. You know, clear head, calm mind. I can go into my business. But my life is real. You know, I'm busy. I got kids. I can't wake up this early. I got, I got all these things. They're not excuses. They're my life. Marlon, what do, you, what do you say to those people? Like, how important is this stuff? My gosh, it's... It's the most important piece, to be honest. Like I, it's honestly like I like those people. Like I, I want to sit down with them and just like so they can see into my eyes, so that they can feel my energy, so they can feel just how like sincere I am when I say it's the most important piece of it. Sure. And that's not to say that you sit on the couch and you just sit there and manifest and you're just like, yeah, I'm just gonna smoke a blunt and like not do anything because. I think those are the people that gave like the whole manifestation a, a bad rep. It's like the people are like, oh, I'm just gonna sit around and just manifest it. It's like, well, no, you it's you work together, it's in tandem, it's a harmony. It's I've gotta work on my mindset, I've gotta work on being able to visualize, I've gotta work on being able to hold it, like see it in my mind first, and then I go out and I work with these hands. I go out and I interact with the world. And this is so critical because. The power of the energy that we put out, it's something that a lot of people feel like, well, I don't believe in it. But the truth is they do. They just haven't focused on the positive aspect of it. Because if I ask a person, anybody, hey, have you ever walked into a room and you you just showed up late? As soon as you open the door, you can feel the tension. You feel like, man, who just like who just died or who just Mm. punched who in the face like how is it that you were able to be so quickly aware that something just occurred in the room that you were totally absent from? Mm. You picked up on the vibration in the room. So people can recognize vibration and they can recognize frequency and they can recognize energy very easily when I start to associate it to a negative. Right. And when I start to speak about the positive though, wait, well, you can't just manifest good things. People aren't just going to be good to you because you're good to that. Well, if I'm a jerk to people, what sort of response do I get back in return? Sure. And here's the thing. I don't even need a person to believe me. This is what I like to say. 
go and experiment in your life. Like go and run the experiment in the laboratory of your life. Try it. it. Right. Like you've got nothing to lose. Like if you want to try just being friendly to everybody, watch how your world changes. Watch how everything around your, in your life changes. Like I don't expect to get screwed over. I don't expect bad things to happen. I expect good things to happen to me. I expect random blessings to occur in my life. I just, I anticipate this stuff happening. And lo and behold, my life is a living example. Like I am a walking manifestation and I'm grateful for it. Ah, it, guys, look, it's what he's saying is so true. Like, you know, if if you don't believe him, believe me. And if you don't believe me, then believe Jamil Damji. If you don't believe him, then believe Pace Morby. All these guys say the same thing. They all tell the same story of they didn't they didn't li- they weren't able to live that life in real life until they lived it in their head and they believed it. You know, Marlon said something very impactful. And I want you guys to understand, you know, and really, really really take hold of this. Look, it's one thing to sit and to think and to really, and to be grateful about the things that that you have in your life and whatnot. And to really just kind of just be calm and really just kind of think through things and maybe even ask, you know, maybe even ask for certain things to happen in your life. But here's the thing. Think about the word or the, the, yeah, the word ask, A-S-K, right? A-S-K. It's, 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 even it's in the Bible, I think somewhere in Ecclesiastes, but anyways, ask, seek, knock, A-S-K. Just, just keep that in mind, right? Mm. You have to do all three of those in order for it to work, in order for it to go into fruition, come into fruition. You have to do all three. The ask is the first thing. You got to tell the universe what it is that you're expecting, what it is that you're commanding from the universe. And then you go out and seek it. That's the, that's, that's where you, you build the dream boards. You, you do the gratitude, you, you take the necessary steps. And then most importantly, the knock, that's where a lot of people get scared. It's where a lot of people drop the ball because that's where the uncomfort, that's where the discomfort comes in. That's where the stretching comes in. That's the knocking. That's you going out and doing the work. That's you taking the action, ask, seek, knock. So Marlon, thank you so much, so much for bringing that clarity uh, to the audience. And guys, I want to go back. I I promised that I I said we would talk about this uh, later on. And I'm a man of my word. uh, And I'm glad we we were able to get to know you, you know, in the last 30, 40 minutes. But I want to go back to that scarcity mindset around money, um, because that's where, you know, that's where it started getting good. So obviously, Maybe I should say uh, money is no longer a scarcity issue with you. Um, would you say that you have an abundance mindset around money? And if so, how did you acquire that? Bro, that's such a good topic. All right. So the money, the money mindset has shifted dramatically from where it was to where it is today. No question about it. I mean, even like thinking back to when I was getting into this real estate game, you know, I said I lived in New York. I lived in Long Island. Property prices, on average, four to six hundred thousand dollar, like ARV, was like kind of median house price, and that's terrifying to me. Like when Marlon's starting out, that is absolutely just <laughs> oh my gosh! You want me to put a four hundred thousand dollar piece of something under contract? Terrifying, right. right? So it pushed me into like the Midwest, where house values were like fifty thousand, eighty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars, because I was like, all right, these numbers, like, it was <laughs> I can work with these. Yeah, that much of my mindset, like, was like attached with like the scarcity that I literally wanted to go find cheaper houses, even though I now know that it doesn't actually matter. Like, a forty right. million dollar property, it's the same as a forty thousand dollar property. It makes no difference. So true. So, the work on changing the mindset to a mindset of abundance was really a few things. First, financial literacy. Gaining financial literacy absolutely helped to shift the perspective, you know, so not for nothing, you know, you guys probably heard this book mentioned a million times and today will be a million and one rich dad, poor dad, right? That entire (laughs) library is like, people need to pick that entire library up and read through it. I've actually made a rule in my life that I will no longer entertain friendships unless a person has read that book Hmm. because so much of my way of thinking is a derivative of that foundation and if they don't agree with it or at least understand it they won't get where i'm coming from and i don't have the time to explain to everybody so financial literacy was number one the second thing that really helped was gaining a new relationship with money 
was actually paying attention to like biblical practices with money. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a gentleman by the name of Myron Golden come onto my podcast uh, about a year ago. And he speaks about business from a, a biblical standpoint. And while we were on the podcast, he says, do you want to know the best business book I've ever read? I say like, of course, like this dude is making great money. In fact, he has a uh, consulting prod, uh, product that he sells his time, a million dollar session. And he's had wow. people purchase his time for one session for a million dollars. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, yeah, I want to understand like money from you. And he says, dude, the Bible, best business book I've ever read. I'm like, what? Like, and I'm someone that like, I was very far away from the church when I was growing up. So, you know, curiosity gets me like this guy is selling a million dollar consulting package. Like, let me go see what's in this Bible thing. And I start to read about money from there. And I start to realize a lot of the sayings I was hearing were incomplete sayings that like when people like church people that I grew up with, they were talking about money. A lot of them were talking from a scarcity or misunderstanding and they didn't truly sure. understand. It was almost like if you had money, I had this relationship in my mind that rich people were automatically bad people. Right. And so subconsciously, I didn't want to be a bad person. So subconsciously, I was keeping myself away from money, not right. realizing that wealth gives you the ability to become more abundant, gives you the ability to help more people. So that was a big part of changing my relationship, my emotional and spiritual relationship to money. And with that being said, a practice that I began doing after listening to enough people was tithing. Hmm. And this was something that I struggled with in the very beginning. And I'm proud to say now, like, I actually, I love tithing. Like, I actually look forward to making money so that I can give it away. Like, it's like how much of an emotional shift has occurred where, like, it's fun. Like, when I get paid now, I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, I get excited to go look for something to give it away to. Like, it's, and since having done that, I've watched money begin to flow in. And a word my favorite word of the year, I'm going to share this with the audience. I want y'all to like understand this and dive deep on this word is stewardship, mm. right? Becoming a steward. So I look at money as well as energy and relationships and everything now at this point as being a steward, because if you're a steward of something, you don't own it. I actually have come to this realization. I realized money I don't own money. Like I don't right. own anything. Like none of this stuff, like not even my body. Like I'm simply, I'm leasing it. I'm in charge of it during my time on earth, which right. is really cool because since I'm, it's like you're, you're, if you gave me your car and you let me borrow it for the weekend, right? If I ever want to drive your car again, I should probably take really good care of it when you give it to me that weekend. Right. I should probably clean it and give it back to you with a full tank of gas and all of this. Because if I do, then you're more likely to want to lend it to me again. In fact, right. you might have other cars in your garage that you're like, hey, you know what? You can also drive these as well. But sometimes we take things and we're irresponsible with it, and yet we want more. So I look at money as the same way. Like when we take money and we don't realize the purpose of it is to serve. The purpose of it is to put it back into the marketplace in a good, useful way that benefits the most amount of people possible. If people don't understand that yet, they're going to find it's going to be more and more difficult to gain money. They're going to be trying to swim against the current. Gosh, Mm. dude. Yeah. And speaking of current, you know, there, I always say there's meaning in words, currency, yep. currency, it should flow. When you, if you hold on to your money, look at the, you know, if, if for anyone who's not looking at the video, I'm holding my fist up and I'm clenching it. Like I'm holding on to money. Can, can you receive money if you're holding on to it? You, you can't, you have to open your hand up. You've got to be able to release that so that more blessings can come into your hand. And so Bro, I mean, you're killing this stewardship. Be a good steward of your body, of your money, of your of your responsibilities. And I, I love that. And hearing that you overcame this, your scarcity around money through giving gives me chicken skin because it's exactly how I, I overcame mine. I truly did. We, you know, one of our first podcast guests was it's I, I wish we wouldn't have released it so soon because it doesn't have a lot of views, but I encourage all of you to go back and listen to the uh, episode we did with Jesse Stanton. Jesse is a powerful, powerful man, and he has a strong mind, very strong mind. Um, but he talks about how he overcame his his 
financial scarcity mindset. And same thing Marlon says, same thing I'm saying. He did it through giving. That was the only way he, he had to release it. He had to get good at giving. And, you know, he, we, we, he jokingly said on the podcast, you know, cause I asked him, I'm like, what do you, what did you give? You just go, go around giving money. He's like, no, no, no. I had to be responsible with it. He's like, I started with tipping. So I started tipping everyone. Everyone got a tip. If they asked for a tip, you got a tip. And he's like, it was hard in the beginning. And he's like, now I shit, I, I tip 20% for shitty service. <laughs> um, but he's, he's very financially abundant now. You know, the universe has blessed him because he chose to give. And so Marlon, bro, thank you so much for, for all the gems that you dropped. You know, um, I, I want to tell people, look, you know, I, I know that your, your, you know, your main thing is you don't want to come on here and, 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 and pitch your, your course or anything, but guys, like it would be, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you, um, Marlon, he, he does coaching. Like he actually helps people. <clears throat> I know right now you're coaching, uh, um, your high performance coaching is closed right now. So sorry guys, hopefully you're listening to this later on. Um, but his high performance coaching is where it's at so much so that he only, he literally, it's not a thing where you prevent this fake scarcity and you say, Oh, sorry, guys. we only got one more spot. Like Marlon's coaching is legitimately closed and it's going to be closed for a while now because that's what he does. He focuses on his clients and gets them the result. He's not interested in just bringing a ton of people and he really wants to work with you. Um, but outside of that, that coast coaching, uh, environment, Marlon, how can, how can people work with you? Yeah, so appreciate that. Um, I would say two two main ways. One, if you guys plug into like my YouTube channel, plug into me on Instagram at Mindset Marlin. Uh, I'm always putting out free content, just sharing the things that I wish I found while growing up and coming up through entrepreneurship. And then I also have a, a community. It's a, a community for entrepreneurs because interestingly enough, I, I think one of the most magical things that has changed everything uh, has been the power of proximity. I call it the campfire mm. effect. And I mean, you guys know about this already. Like when you start squatting up and you're surrounding oh, yeah. yourself with like-minded people, it's a game changer. Game changer. But I'm never going to forget in the very beginning of like this journey. Like, and we all went through this. You're like, all right, like I want to be around better people. Like that, that's it. I'm done hanging out with my buddies. that just want to like get drunk on the weekends. Like I'm going to go like hang out with good people. Yeah, minute. exactly. <laughs> I go to a meetup. Do I wait? Like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's impossible to find them. And so it's just like, that was like one of the biggest struggles in the beginning. And I was just like, man, I wish there was like a place where like they were all just like already gathering where I could go and connect with high level entrepreneurs. I could go and connect with new people. I connect with people in different industries. And so since I couldn't find it right away, I created one of my own. I created, it's called the Millionaire Mindset Community. And it's for entrepreneurs who are looking to, to squat up. Like we come together, we, we link up, we read books together. We're working on personal development together. I bring in coaches that I have in my network that will come in. They'll teach about money. They'll teach about credit. They'll teach about real estate. They teach about everything. And they're not, and the best part, like they were in there, they're not pitching anything. Like they're just, they're just unloading value because it's just, it's friends. They all understand. These are people that I've built relationships with now who are successful and they want to give back as well because Absolutely. people are going to see the secret in business is giving. It really is like the more you can give the better. So if people are interested in that, they can go to join mmc.com um, on there. You guys will see there's like a little video. I think there's like a way for them to get like a, a trial. They'll be able to jump in there for like a, a trial for like a dollar or something like that. Nice. Um, and they can try it out for like a week and see, how they like it. Um, nice. Yeah, man. Like that's, nice. it's, I, I built the thing that like I needed when I was getting started. My, so we're definitely going to link that up and guys, I, I'll tell you this. Um, Marlon's not doing this for the money. <laughs> you know, it, here's the thing. If you have a free group, you get free people in the group. You get people with no skin in the game. You get people that are just there takers. They're just there looking to take, 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 take. You want to be around an environment of people that give, you want to like, trust me in this. And there's programs out there that are pricey. You know, uh, the program we invested in was almost 10 grand. You know, Marlon's not looking at that. He's got the community. He brings the value there. 
and I'm, it's less than a hundred bucks a month. It's actually way less than a hundred bucks a month. And so reach out to like, when he told me his pricing a month, I'm like, that's a no brainer. Um, so what's that link again, Marlon, for people to go it's check it out? Join MMC.com. It's join MMC.com. And it's funny, man. Like I get yelled at from like all my buddies all the time. Cause they're just like, your price. you're not charging enough. They're like, you're yeah. like, and I'm like, guys, like, I just like, I made the thing that like, I wanted it to be a no brainer. It was just like, at the end of the day, it's like, it's not even like a dollar a day. Like it's not even $2 a day. Like it's insane how cheap it is. Marlon, so affordable. This, this has been an incredible experience. Um, thank you so much, man. I, I do have one parting question. Um, I, I want to ask, I, I like to ask this from, from some people, um, but from you, I'm, I'm truly curious to know, and I think this is going to bring some value to the, our audience at the very end. What is your definition of success? Oh, that's an easy one for me because I, I borrow that definition from Earl Nightingale because hey. he had my favorite definition and it stuck yes. with me. So Earl Nightingale says success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Love so it. a man that's moving towards a predetermined goal and is knowing where he wants to go, that man is a success. So I think I want to remind that to everybody that if you know where you want to go and you're making strides and you're taking steps, even if you're inching towards it and you're keeping your eyes focused on it and you're keeping your mind focused on it, you are a success. Simply by knowing where you want to go and moving in that direction, you are a success. And you'll feel it. Yep. <laughs> Tanner, what you got for uh, Mindset Marlin before we head out? Well, I have a lot to wrap up on, but I'll keep it really short. Um, I think, well, just to kind of tie everything back together, since this is the definition of a mindset episode. So this is, this is gold. I was locked in the whole time. So the, the biggest thing um, to reiterate on is your brain is a computer, um, essentially. And so what you put into your brain, what you tell yourself. And so all the affirmations, all the goal setting, all of that stuff, your brain is a computer. And I don't remember who, what the actual effect is called, but you tell yourself, hey, I want to go buy a blue truck. Next thing you know, you start seeing everyone driving blue trucks in the street. It's yeah. like affirming yourself and setting goals and all that stuff is, is real. It's not voodoo. It's not weird stuff that just people just say just to sound cool. Like it's, it's changed my life. Because um, what I started, you know, the things I would tell myself, like every day I write in my journal a full page. I am this, I am this, I am thankful, I am grateful, I am successful, I am all the kind of stuff. I literally, every morning I write a whole page on it and it's changed my life ever since because you start believing it. And once you start believing it is when you start actually looking forward to the action and that action starts producing what your brain is telling you. And so I think the biggest thing for anyone listening is tell yourself what you want to be, set your goals and believe in it. Write it down every day. It helps. Trust me. It sounds weird, but it helps. Um, and then cause your brain starts to see it. So that was just the last thing I had to say is it's a real thing and people need to actually start doing it more because it changed my life. So in a lot of ways, well, Marlon, bro, thank you again for your time. And this, this has been an incredible experience. I'm glad we have you on. I'm glad we, we documented this. I'm so proud of seeing that we recorded this successfully. It is now going to go out into the world and it's going to bless many, many, many lives, bro. So again, dude, Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Bro, thank you. I appreciate you both for having me here. This was an amazing conversation. And I like I'm looking forward to continuing to grow with you, too. And yeah, if there's anything I can ever do to help, please let me know. Awesome. Love it, and guys. We want you in that seat. We want you sitting right where Marlon is right now. Well, maybe not where he is right now. It looks <laughs> like his bedroom. It'll be a little awkward. But we want to interview you, you know. And so we want you, though, to go out there, crush it, make it happen. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. Until then, peace. What up, Elite fam? That's a wrap for today's episode. But look, if you got value out of the show today, do us a huge favor and Give us a review or give us a like or subscribe. Do all the things to help us get the word out there. And look, we want to see you on the next show. So get out there and crush it, make it happen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.